ghetto, the backyard, the yard. I sell it with my will. It's off the hard. I'm the what up, what up, what up, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, Lubbock, people up in the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. You are tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark with us producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis Get a Dose, and we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 877-37-GRIND. You know the rules. If you know what you want to talk about, it's always open phone lines. Feel free to give us a call. Uh, the only thing we ask you to do is to call during the breaks and be patient during the long segments and breaks, and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, keep in mind, if you need to reach out to me or follow me via Twitter, you can do that at Sports Grind. And if you want to stream the show live and leave comments, I'll read those on air in real time or I'll respond to them later. You can go to the business Facebook page of Sports Grind Entertainment or you can go to my personal page as well, too. And like I said, leave those comments. I'll respond to them in real time or I'll give them a response later. And also, if you ever miss any of the episodes live or you are traveling in a market that doesn't have a terrestrial radio wise or you're having technical difficulties listening to us through your other apps or means uh, make sure you go to sportsgrindonline.com you can download the podcast there seven days a week and 365 877-37-GRIND what's up Mr. Clark you ready yes sir ready rock and roll all right so let's see what we got we're going to be heavy intensive football of course Monday recapping all of the divisional round uh, action Uh, we are down to the uh, final four all right we have the conference championship set we will dive into that here shortly to get started with that we've got some other NFL news as well too off the field in regards to the Dallas Cowboys also possibly we get to we've been keeping our eye on the uh, coaching search and interview um, but definitely want to get to some of the other off the field news um, especially what's going on with Dallas I mean this just sums up everything there's two particular topics I want to get into that regards to the head coach and also family feud and fighting uh, between social media with the Cowboys. Um, Also, we've got college basketball over the weekend that continues to uh, take over and fold on as we get ready to really dive into conference uh, action play in February and head into March Madness. But the women kind of took the stage this weekend in regards to some history being made. Uh, Tara Vanderveer, uh, head coach, of the Stanford uh, Cardinals uh, became the most winning coach, men or women, uh, in NCAA Division One history. Uh, she had eclipsed 1,203 wins, which to me, um, I remember a couple of the other milestones, but honestly, it kind of wasn't getting that much attention pre pre-flopper her actually doing it. I didn't even know that she was inching that close to really the all-time record. She passed up Coach K, uh, but she's sitting at 1203. Uh, so congratulations with her. She's been at Stanford for a long time. Um, also women's basketball too that was in the news. Uh, one of their faces of the league, uh, of should say of college, K- uh, Caitlin Clark, um, her team went down this weekend, uh, number two, Iowa. They went down to Iowa State, a hundred to ninety-two. Ohio and, uh, State. Ohio State. Did I say Iowa State? Yeah. Okay, Ohio State. I'm sorry, Ohio State. Iowa lost to them, and Ohio State decided to bum rush the court and had a little incident with Kate and Cart and a fan that they kind of collided with each other. She said that she kind of got a wind knocked out of her. 
Um, this, I, I mean, again, I've been talking about this for a while now. I just think, you know, the storm in the court um, has gotten really watered down. Um, you know, now I get it. I mean, they're the number two team in the country. Um, I don't even know where Ohio State is. 18. 18. Yeah, I just don't. You know, it's one of those that it used to be um, where it was common for if the number one team in the country went down um, outside of, you know, really when you get to the final four men or women, you're at neutral sites. So you really don't see Storm rushing the court then off of titles. Um, and the biggest thing is that eventually somebody's going to get seriously hurt with this. I mean, it's crazy because I see it mixed views around, even in the media's opinion. Like they, they, some people like it because it still shows the passion and the purest. You know, you got some conferences, even in football, like the SEC, you get big fines. They've they've gone to finding the university six figure fines to deter from student body and uh, you know, kind of rushing the field or court. But um, you know, I don't know. You know, it's one of those that. Um, Ohio 18 versus two. I mean, I, I understand it, but I just think this is where we're headed. I mean, because even, you know, I've seen in the last probably year or two, we've talked about on the show, I've seen sometimes where there'd be a team that's ranked five in the country and somebody's not ranked ends up rushing the court. So fortunately she's okay. Uh, nothing serious happened, but that's just, it seems like more we get these, you know, storming the courts, the more chances of things happening in regards to people getting injured. Um, also, um, other than football news, basketball, speaking of basketball, NBA continues to roll on. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs got a W um, over the weekend and with Washington Wizards. Uh, they were able to rally Saturday night down. Um, you know, the Wizards are just horrible, but I think this is the, you know, other than when you got to that Phoenix game early on in the season, these one of the few, if not only game I can remember them being down, you know, especially in the fourth quarter um, and rallying to win. So it was positive from that standpoint. Um, told you that third quarter streak was going to end probably like twice over the weekend. Well, that one against the Wizards, but they were still winning. So they still won. So take what you want from that. But they were able to get the victory. Um, you know, Wimby had a good game that game as well, too. You know, he rested the game before. Uh, but he was able to get uh, come back for that one game and had a decent game. So they were able to be victorious. They're in action tonight against the 76ers, okay, on the road again. Um, also, the Denver Nuggets, uh, they went 2-0 over the weekend on the road. Uh, they were able to handle Boston, their first home loss Friday night, 102-100. Uh, to um, Joker was just amazing in that uh, particular game. Uh, he continues to step up. And big moments that definitely had a playoff feel uh, to it. I know Friday when we talked about it, we talked about the possibilities of that being a finals preview. Um, you know, it's you know Murray had a heck of a game as well too. I mean, just the stars stepped up in that game um, and brought it. You know, Boston again has been undefeated at home for the most part uh, up until this point, um, and really to me. When I talk about finals preview, I don't really see, you know, on the eastern side of things, I still haven't seen anybody that I think, and again, we're, we've got, you know, weeks until the trade deadline, 
But before any type of major moves are made, there's been a couple of trades here and there. Siakam going to the Pacers and things like that. Unless I see, you know, the 76ers, Milwaukee, um, you know, who else you want to throw in there? You can throw somebody else in there, one of the top teams in the East. Out of Philly, I, I don't really see anybody yet beating Boston four out of seven. Okay, now the one thing I will tell you, uh, about that particular game, if, if I want to sit there and say what the flaw is of the Boston Celtics right now, as even though that was their first loss at home and where they stand, and I don't see anybody at this point uh, beating them a four out of seven, the one weak point I think they have, and it kind of showed in that game, um, offensively, they have a tendency to get real stagnant. Uh, and they play a lot of, you know, iso ball with Jason Tatum and Brown. You know, I think Przingis said it on Friday. He's been a great addition to the team. That's the only thing I feel that could maybe get Boston in trouble in the playoffs in the series. Um, you know, with a team that because you're playing the same team, you, you know, you're not playing back to backs. But the thing is, by the time you get to game four of a series, even game three or four of a series, you kind of know what e the other opponent's about. And if they can't get a little bit more creative and offensive movement, you know, it could show up and get everybody involved. It's not going to show up against the bad teams. I mean, that's the reason why they're most likely going to have the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, uh, or at least a top two seed. It, it's not going to really show up until you probably get, you know, against a team that's formable like the defending champs, the Denver Nuggets, or you get in the postseason, and that could basically show its rare head as well, too. Golf, we've had some, you know, it's been mostly negative news with golf, with the lib and then the – you know, comments here and there, but you know, you had a positive story uh, over the weekend. Uh, Nick Dunlop, uh, he becomes the first amateur to win a PGA Tour event in 33 years by winning the American Express Golf Tournament. Um, he attends the University of Alabama, um, the American Express. I mean, you didn't have all the top players there, but there were professionals. Um, can you tell me off the top of dome who was the last one to do this? Because when I saw it today, I was like, wow, I would have never thought and kind of forgot that. It's spoiler. I already know. Oh, you already know. Okay. Well, it's lefty. And I and you know what? And honestly, if that would have been a trivia question, didn't even know lefty was a part of that history. But he's the last one to win a major, uh, well, I should say a tour event, you know, before turning pro. So uh, Dunlop definitely. And the crazy thing about this is that, you know, read that he was actually kind of lost the lead, you know, their point on Sunday and then had to come back and get it. He almost led it wire to wire. But props to him. Um, and then, you know, I saw him because normally amateurs that play golf tournaments, you know, they kind of go with their school hat and colors. And I know I saw him in some Adidas attire and I was like, well, wait a minute, man, he hasn't done pro. But then I start thinking, like, maybe that's NIL. You know, um, don't know, uh, but that's one thing that stood out to me. I pay attention to all that little stuff. So anyway, you got that going on. We'll look at tonight's NBA schedule when we circle back to the NBA as well. Uh, but first, of course, let's dive in right to the recap of divisional round weekend. Um, we'll start with the Texans, who have their magical season and run come to a close as they fall in Baltimore 34-10. to And the Ravens are heading to the AFC Championship game. Um, when I look at this game, this is the one game that... Um, that I said that if there was either going to be a blowout or it wasn't going to be close, it was probably going to be this one. Uh, even though it started off looking like the Texans was going to be able to hang in there and give the chance uh, a chance in the fourth quarter. You know, they had a special teams 
uh, return for a touchdown. Um, I think what you saw with with especially with the Ravens, uh, you kind of saw that bye week. Because um, keep in mind, the last week 17 of the season or week 18, um, they didn't really play none of their starters for the most part uh, when they played uh, Pittsburgh. Um, and then you so if you if you account that. And then you account of having the week off with the bye. It's really about two weeks since you're starting, especially starting offense that has really played significant minutes. So I think early on that kind of showed, and not to take any way, anything away from Houston, because you know I thought they came out with a decent game plan. Um, Lamar was still making plays with his leg. But I think when you look at this particular game uh, that really separated um, this game and probably had it the most lopsided game of the weekend uh, was really the Ravens' defense. Um, you know, they withheld the Texans without a touchdown. Okay. They scored a special team. Now that's twice. And I, and I, and I think both of these teams, I said it on Friday, both of these teams are way different than they were the first week of the season when they played. But this is twice that they played the Texans, and we know how highly we've thought of C.J. Stroud. Their offensive coordinator is a hot name right now, might get some interviews. I don't anticipate him going anywhere this year. I think next year will be his year uh, to be the coveted guy to get a head coaching job. I think he's going to stay put um, with the Texans, in my opinion, but we'll see how it plays out. Still got a lot of vacancies open. Uh, But we know how good the Texans' offense has been. And to have the Baltimore Ravens' defense pretty much keep them out of the end zone and I think they only really ran what I think it was one play if that uh in the red zone uh the Texans pretty much the whole game um that's really what the Ravens are about and they've been consistent they've been topping categories from takeaways to scoring defense pretty much all season and it kind of showed with them getting the 34 to 10 uh victory um I think after halftime um because really when you went into halftime the game was pretty much still, for the most part, in the ballots of trying to, you know, which way it could go. Yeah, it was 10-10. Yeah, I mean, it was tied up, so, but it's just one of those that I think it played a lot into the the rust a little bit, uh, the rhythm. Uh, But you got to give credit to the Ravens. They don't host too many um, AFC title games. Uh, This is going to be their first one in a long time. Um, but I and in the franchise history speaking, uh, but you got to give them credit, and you got to give credit to again a heck of a season that the Texans and rookie head coach D'Amico Ryan's and rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud had. Uh, it's definitely something that they're going to be able to build on. But I figured that they just wasn't ready, quite ready for the Ravens uh, to um, dethrone them. So Lamar uh, gets to go, and credit to Lamar because I feel too. In previous past, because I talked about it on Friday, you know, what would this mean? Would the narrative do a 180? Would he get more criticism if for some reason if he didn't get it done? If Texans, would, he would have lost this game. And I think, you know, being 10-10 at halftime, as you alluded to, and seeing that first half kind of struggle, I think Lamar of the past would have panicked a little bit more. Uh, especially coming out of the halftime. I think he would have been trying to do too much and maybe kind of, you know, pre- subject himself to some turnovers, some, inter, uh, you know, interceptions. I mean, you saw him, you know, kind of get on a little bit of the offensive line and some of the receivers only on the first half, but then they kind of settled down. And I think that's also the maturity of Lamar Jackson, um, you know, where he's at right now, about to win another, his second MVP. Uh, but credit to the Baltimore Ravens. They're marching on. But like I said, the Texans have nothing to uh, hang their hat on. They've got their franchise quarterback. 
Uh, matter of fact, their coach and their quarterback, they, they hit it out the ballpark um, in one season and one offseason by the hire and the draft. So they've got a bright, bright future uh, going forward with the Texans and their leadership. Um, now, the Baltimore Ravens will be hosting the Buffalo Bills. Uh, excuse me, not the Buffalo Bills, but be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs because the Buffalo Bills, again, wide right. Wide right, those famous words, and I can remember where I was the first time I heard them 30-some years ago, uh, feels like. But Tyler Bass, that's usually automatic in that range, goes wide right. But I want to talk about, in general, that particular game, Kansas City, how they won it, and really the narrative that I feel that needs to start taking place with Josh Allen. And I'll go ahead and add to that. We'll get into that when we get back. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro to Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. Tell you I'm local Do your plan is to put the rack game in the choke on Full of focus, man My money on my mind Got a meal out the deal And I'm still in the grind I show this is filling my all right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Specs. All right, if you're looking to check out what's the latest new products coming in or you already know what you got, but you just want it delivered straight to your doorstep, don't forget about SpecsOnline.com because the fun starts here. That's Specs, official sponsor of the Sports Grind and an official partner of the Dallas Cowboys, which we'll get to them here shortly, but we're talking about the winners here and the losers who lost on playoff divisional weekend. Uh, before I go on and give you in depth about the Bills, let's look at some of your comments already coming in on Facebook Live. Uh, we've got AG checking in, AGLTX says the Lions and the 49ers 
and Ravens when it was expected, but the Bills losing was a shock. The Chiefs played like a different team. Um, I won't say really a shock, AG. I, I, I don't really think it's a shock um, because it was a close, tight line pre-flop at Buffalo, only two and a half at home. Um, and again, you know, I think when, when I look at the Bills, um, and I've been on this kick about running the ball and being committed to run. When they fired Dorsey, they became more committed to run, and it kind of helped Buffalo down the stretch to even get in the position uh, to get to the divisional round. However, it showed its rear ugly head again yesterday in regards to Cook and the inability I mean, look, they threw the ball. I mean, they ran the ball yesterday better than they could throw it because they really had no throwing game yesterday. They were really one-dimensional, but they didn't run the ball good enough. Uh, and that's just the reality. And, again, it came down to certain points of Josh Allen relying on him having to, you know, make plays with his feet and things. Um, when you look at Kansas City, before I get to Buffalo, let me give Kansas City uh, credit. Uh, because I think the Chiefs, uh, what they're continuing to prove is because I think the obvious is even to now, they're not each year that goes by with them. They become in this whole run that they're on, in my opinion, they become a little bit less dom dominant and more vulnerable. But with that said, due to the fact that the leadership with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes being a generational quarterback, it gives them a chance. It, it, it's always have given them a chance. The difference is, too, like I said on Friday, Spags is really a big deal that they're in this situation where they are. I say Spags and I say their general manager who, you know, because normally when you have a talent such as Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, and you got a coach in Andy Reid, and you've, you've had experience with Tyreek Hill, and then, you know, you go make a move, and you bring Juju in, and, and you know, you win a Super Bowl with him. You Normally, some GMs have a tendency to go heavy and stay heavy on that side of the ball and neglect the other side of the ball. And that's why I've always said the Chiefs are amongst three teams that are everybody's chasing in the league to be on one page from top office to down. And it shows up the reason why they're going to like their six, seven straight AFC championship game. Uh, six. Six. They're two behind the record. I think Tom and Bill, they, their record is at eight. They went to eight consecutive ones. So, Pat, they're, they're, got, they're two away from accomplishing that. But I give credit to the front office in regards to you can lose sight and just be dominant heavy on that side, or we've got to make sure the line's tight, which they did after that 49ers, uh, you know, excuse me, after that Tampa Bay Bucks beat down in the Super Bowl when they went in with two offensive linemen hurt, backups, they got exposed. They fixed that real quick. But at the same time, they didn't just stay on that side. They went and started to draft young and started building this young defense led by Chris Jones, who had a holdout early on in the season, um, you know, uh, that played OK yesterday. Uh, you know, he had a lot of attention to him. Um, you know, I know I got I saw late last night. I saw I had a message from <clears throat> Kansas City Rob saying like, hey, well, Chris Jones has been, you know, absent today. It was, uh, you know, some point in the game. And, you know, I started thinking like sometimes we just got to give the other team and the other coach and staff credit to where when they center on a guy to take him out or we're not going to let that guy wreck us. Sometimes you just got to tip your hat. Uh, you know, Chris Jones probably you know, stepped up and made plays in other parts of the game, pressure, whatever, that might not have just showed up. But I really think their front office, their general manager, and Spags has a lot to do the reason why they were able to weather that storm this year and get to a sixth straight AFC championship game. 
and again, I told you Friday, I said if they're going to go to the desert, it's going to be off of Pacheco, who ran the ball very hard yesterday, and it's going to be off their defense, and that was kind of one of those games. Now, I will tell you this, it, you probably – you would have to go back and look, but yesterday was probably one of their best offensive games of the year that looked similar to what we've been accustomed to them looking for the last few years. And what a perfect time to bring that out on your first on Patrick's first road playoff game and going into a hostile environment as such as Orchard Park around with Bills Mafia and Buffalo. Now, with that said, let's go to the Bills side because there's the loser side in this as well, too. Um, you know, they've, they've got, they're in a situation because everybody's got mixed reviews on this. I've heard that, Hey man, their windows closed, their windows closing. And then, you know, some people push back on that. And where I start with is I think they've got the hardest piece, especially in the AFC figured out. And that's the quarterback position. Okay. Um, I've been saying this for two years now. Um, their head coach, He's he reminds me just of he reminds me as a spitting image of John Fox. And what I mean by that, I mean, they're both defensive minded coach. They're both culture builders. Like if you're really down in the dumps, these are two guys that can lead your program and restore your program to be respectable. But they just can't get you over the hump. And I've been saying that about Coach McDermott now for the last couple of years. And I've also been saying they cannot and I don't think they will. Let Josh Allen's prime be wasted in regards to with this particular coach and coaching staff. Um, I think the one thing that saved him um, this season up to this point, I mean, they just got eliminated. I don't think they would be making any changes, but stranger things have happened. Um, is really the firing of Dorsey and being able to get the offense respectable and trying to make that push that really saved them. Because if you know before that, they were really struggling. I mean, that came after the loss um, to Denver that Monday night, um, even though it was, you know, 12 men on the field on the kickoff, on the on the field goal try that gave Denver that extra game, that kick to go and win that that night. Uh, they turned things around, and I think that kind of took some heat off, you know, Coach McDermott. But when you bring it full circle now, and this is another opportunity uh, that you had to get past Kansas City and you had it in your building, just didn't make enough plays. And I think, too, when you look at it, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, Diggs has been a guy that has raised and kicked up dust, you know, sometimes towards the last couple of years in Minnesota. Um, into his time in the last couple years, I think, with Buffalo. Going back to last year's game when Cincinnati went in there in the divisional round in a snow and beat them, and that game wasn't even as close as the one last night, last year. And that's when, you know, Stefan dodged it. He just left. Didn't do his media obligations, didn't do anything, left a lot of speculation. Then when we showed up to OTAs and training camp, you know, it was, what you know, what's the relationship with Stefan Diggs and what's that? I mean, he's guarded a lot of attention. And you know what? Yesterday, he came up small. I mean, that that particular throw to Josh in those conditions, Stefan has to make that catch. He's got to make that catch. Um, so he didn't really do his part. I know, I don't know, you know, I would say it's 50-50 if he's coming back to Buffalo. Uh, but I, this is what I feel. When you look at them, I don't even know the top of my head, but I will tell you right now, they're not in great cap situation. Um, they've got some key players on defense. And you, they went into that game with like 
six guys out, like three start, three offensive starters out, and I think one defensive or two defensive guys. So, again, this is all about whoever gets to the Super Bowl every year, whether it's in Vegas, New Orleans, Miami, it's always about who's going to be the healthiest, who's going to remain healthy. And, you know, to me, that was a, fat, a little bit of a factor in it. But when you look at the big picture where they go forward, and I will tell you this, I don't know. You can call it the football gods or what you want, but it, the facts of it is is that the his, losing franchise that have a ha- history of losing, they find ways to lose in the big spots. Um, you know, again, wide right. It cost them a Super Bowl. And I've always said if that wide right, if that kick goes in by Scott Norwood, you know, some 30 years ago or however long it was. What, 1991? Uh, it was How long is that? Do the math uh, for me. It's 33 years. 33 years. We're looked at Buffalo. Buffalo as a franchise is looked at totally different. Because, you know, back then, even before the salary cap era hit, and even non-salary cap, we'll never see a team go to four straight Super Bowls. That's not happening in my life. I'm safe enough to say that. The only way that's happening is if for some reason they decide to abolish the salary cap. So if they have one of the, if they win one of those Super Bowls, the team is looked and the franchise is looked at totally different. It's not. And you know, they they get Josh Allen. They had some down years interchanging interchanging quarterbacks. Then they get Josh Allen out of Wyoming and then he starts, you know, by his third year he starts changing the franchise. McDermott starts getting them competitive. They're knocking on the door of New England as New England's run and Tom Brady and Bills is starting to go to the to the wayside. And then even in the last couple years with Tom Brady, the Bills, they show that they're supreme for, you know, the division. So to me, I don't think as long as they have Josh Allen the prime, I don't look at their window being closed. But the reality of it is that they've got some aging vets, and I will tell you this: the Von Miller contract. Nobody really talks about that, but they that's a, that's a sore eye now. That's an eyesore now. You know, it, they hadn't really got. I understood why they did it because again, they when they signed him, they were coming off of that. Well, like you know, hell, instead of the overtime rules, if we just could have got pass rush on Patrick Mahomes and got off the field, we might have beat them in Kansas City and been to a Super Bowl since then. They go give Vaughn that big money. I don't think there's not too many other teams that would have gave Vaughn Miller that kind of money, and therefore he has a season ending injury last year. Uh, he got hurt again this year, and they tried to bring him back, and he played some spot minutes yesterday but wasn't really that much of a factor. Had a couple tackles against the run, but they've got that over their head. But when we talk about Josh Allen, though, the thing with Josh Allen that I feel is that from the national media, and, and you know, he has one big guy that pom-poms him all the time every time I tune in to NFL Live or I catch first take in the morning. Dan Orlovsky is sitting there, you know, um, the defender of all of Josh Allen. But I think the narrative needs to change, and I think he needs to – He look, he's still a top three, four quarterback in the league. He didn't have stellar numbers yesterday. He got bailed out on a fumble that could have probably ended the game right there, but remarkably he had an offensive player that jumped on that ball. The narrative needs to change to him the same way the narrative – and I know we're in a different time, but it should even be more now with social media because this is pre-social media. The narrative needs to change and the aggression needs to go just like it was for Peyton Manning at the Colts in his first early years. You know, when he had to, when he kept running up against, because if you look at it, it's very similar. I mean, at that time, I said, hey, you know what? Peyton Manning, he ran up against the Tom Brady 
in Bill Belichick era, in their prime, the early part of the dynasty. He couldn't get over the big one. Lost two in a row outdoors. He's not going to win outside the dome. Now, granted, the difference is, is that nobody really saw Wyoming football when Josh out. Their, te- their games are not nationally televised. It wasn't back then, and they still really not here for the most part. But Peyton kind of had that narrative coming from Tennessee with the whole Florida. He could never beat Florida. So when he came out of college, he had this losing, can't win the big game narrative already coming to the NFL. But after his first couple of years when they were losing, uh, you know, and then they made the coaching change, and then you get, you know, you're talking, talking about, you know, Freeney, uh, you know, Mathis, you're talking about Marvin Harrison, you talk, start talking about those type of nucleus of players starting to get formed, and then you're getting ready to go against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and you can't get over the hump. Peyton was killed for that. Nobody really looked at that time and said, well, you know, he's playing, you know, against Tom Brady and, and Bill Bell. No, it was he couldn't win the win. And I think Josh Allen um, needs to start getting some of that criticism because it is a team sport. The quarterback can't win it all on his own. I know that. But sometimes I feel like the media and everything makes more of a pass for Josh Allen more than anybody. Okay. White, black, Asian, it don't matter. It's not any, I ain't even going to race card. I'm going to just the quarterback. For some reason, Josh Allen gets a pass on certain things, you know. Um, and, and again, you know, and there's a lot of things. I know, um, you know, I had this conversation through DM with uh, Kansas City Rob, but well, he had posed it. And I said, well, I kind of pushed back because he said, hey, you know what? I don't mean to be like that. But, you know, when the overtime rule was brought up because Josh Allen came short for Kansas City. Then we made the overtime rule for Josh Allen change. And then it's a situation where other things in regards to, I know he brought up, it was due to that game being canceled when they canceled that Pittsburgh game. And But I said, no, nah, I don't see that, you know, the league, nobody could get to the game. It was weather. But I, I told him I could kind of see what he's talking about where there is a lot of favoritism toward Josh Allen, the way he's protected. Okay. And the reality of it is at the time now, after they got through playing, Okay, it's different, but a different sport, but same situation, same scenario. What I'm talking about when when Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewan, Carl Malone, Utah, great players. When they couldn't get it done in the finals and they couldn't win, nobody at that time until after it was said done in five or eight, nine years later. Well, you know, hey, man, they played against Mike. They played in the Jordan era. They played in the Jordan and Phil Jackson era. So my point is Josh Allen. Until further notice, whether they change coaches they do or not, he's got to get some of that criticism, just like Peyton Manning did. Because everybody else has done it before. Elway was more toward his end of career. Can't win the big one. Getting his ass kicked all the time in four straight Super Bowl losses. You know, until he was able to get over the hump against the defending Super Bowl champions at that time, the Green Bay Packers. So all the greats, Steve Young, okay, Joe Montana's shadow. Got knocked out a couple times by the Cowboys. Early exits there. Had to go ahead and finally get it done against the San Diego Chargers that time in the Super Bowl. Okay? So, Josh Allen, as long as you got him, I don't buy in too much of the window being closed. Now, maybe this nucleus, this head coach, this coaching staff, maybe yes. Maybe they've squeezed all the lemon they can out of this particular staff. But in the AFC They've got the number one thing that you need that's hard to come by, come by is a franchise quarterback. So uh, another disappointing um, end to them. Uh, you can kind of see it on his face in general. Uh, but I do expect some changes 
from Buffalo before we get to the season next year. I think there's going to be some changes and personnel changes, but I'm not buying into yet that their window is closed as long as they've got Josh Allen because he's in his prime and he's got a lot of football left to be played. And if I'm not mistaken, before you add in, this is going off the top of my dome, but I think it seventh year – I want to say either seventh or the eighth year, it took Jim Kelly, I think, to his seventh season or eighth season to get to this first Super Bowl, I think. So the only bright spot I can give Buffalo Bills Mafia is, is that, you know, you can lean your hat on that because Jim didn't come out out the gate and then he ran off for his first one was around. He had already been in his seventh or eighth season by the time he made it to his first Super Bowl. And Josh Allen is somewhere around that neighborhood. What were you going to add, uh, Jonas? Well, my, my question in terms of the changes is, is, again, we're here now, just like we did after the Eagles and the Cowboys losses. Before we got to the playoffs, we talked about McDermott maybe being on the hot seat. Is that one of the changes that needs to happen? Well, I think eventually, I, I like that's why I said he reminds me of John Fox. I, I don't think they're going to get over the hump as the AFC structured right now uh, with this coach and this coaching staff. I just don't. Um, you know, I really don't. I, I you know, so I don't know if that change comes now immediately. Or that comes into actually like, hey, we're going to run it back with him, you know, one year. Because, you know, in one breath I say that in regards to the treatment of Josh Allen and he needs to get the Peyton Manning treatment and all that. But if you look at the glass half full instead of half empty, like I'm with that take I'm giving, half full would be like, who is he losing to in the playoffs? Who's knocking him out? It's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. So how far are they really? You know, the eyes, you have to judge that by the eye test. But I just feel that, you know, what is now? You had this game in your backyard and you couldn't come up with enough plays. And unfortunately, you know, the kicker, I mean, there was conditions in that. And that's another thing Well, I'll add to uh, about that particular game. And then we can move on. Uh, definitely want to talk about the Detroit Lions who's punching their ticket into a conference championship. We'll talk about it when we get back. You'll listen to the Sports Grind. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spin the One and Twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging. It's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. 
And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you. Cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind.